greet you in Jesus' name this morning. One thought from the Sunday school lesson that I, I didn't get past, and it was a challenge to me. And uh, by the way, my message this morning is Mark kept using the word in the Sunday school lesson, and Darren concluded the Sunday school lesson time by using that word. And uh, I want to think about challenges this morning and how we respond to them and how we handle them and looking at a, an example in the scripture. But one of the, one of the things that challenged me in the Sunday school lesson was actually that first verse, and I actually didn't get past that first verse. And I, I think it's, it's a key. It may have been alluded to. And it says, as we have received mercy. And I think as we understand how we have been recipients of God's mercy is really what's going to motivate us and prompt us to shine out in the darkness as we ought to. Our uh, comprehension of that, of that we are recipients of God's mercy. At least that was the thought that challenged me in all of the other discussions that were shared. And, uh, you know, we could, have, we could have had one verse and, uh, and you know, we could have been, uh, you know, went home filled. This morning I'd like to uh, invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 14. I like to think about challenges. Not exactly sure why my mind went this way to challenges. Uh, do we like challenges? Probably most of us would say we do like challenges. It's good for us. Uh, there's challenges of life that are unique to the different uh, phases of life that we're in, of age-wise, perhaps. I, I thought about challenges in three different specific areas. I thought of Challenges in, in, from a physical perspective. I thought of them from a mental, a mental perspective. And then I thought of you know, challenges from a spiritual perspective as well. We're three-part being physical, mental, and spiritual. So I meditate on the idea of physical challenges. Probably one of the strongest or one of the, the greatest physical challenges that I can... And again, we, we have different makeups. So there are people that are physically uh, fit, cable, and agile and can do a lot of physical things without a lot of effort, seemingly without a lot of effort. And then there are people that have, are, have sharp minds. They, can, they, they, can, they, get, they get the concept the first time uh, rather than the second or the third or the fourth or maybe never getting it. Uh, but I want to conclude then by looking at, at spiritual challenges primarily because that's, I believe, really what matters. Uh, but I, I want to think just a little bit about the physical aspect one of, the, one of the greatest physical challenges I can remember in my life, and I may have repeated this, may have said this before, so bear with me if I'm repeating it, but was climbing the volcano in Guatemala, Santa Maria. You know where that is, Yolanda? It's the third highest volcano in, in Guatemala, and I'm not sure it might be the third highest in, in Central America. I know the highest one is, is in Central in Guatemala, but this was the third highest, and I was probably about 15 or 16 when we, we climbed that volcano, uh, Dan and Darla's dad was along with us. It was about six or seven of us. We were down there to visit, and we, we set to climb that volcano. And at that time, it had erupted initially, I think, in 1902. And at that time, they deemed it un, uh, very, very unlikely to erupt. And I was surprised as I went back and, and Googled that and looked at it, that it actually has erupted in 1913 again. And uh, it's still, it's called a, an active volcano, and it's still... Uh, somewhat uh, spewing out some things yet today as well. 12,375 feet high. I'm not exactly sure how many of that 12,375 
feet above elevation sea level, we actually ended up climbing. We could drive part of the way. We drove as far as we could and then we climbed. But it was still a very, very strenuous climb. And physically, my memory, and that's been quite a few years ago now, I remember that, and we all vowed we'd never do it again. We said, we're never going to do this again. And to the best of my knowledge, I don't think any of us that were there did it when had the opportunity to do it again. If I'd ever had the opportunity, I don't know if I would or not. But anyway, I mean, at the end, we were pulling ourselves by, there was little, very little vegetation at the top. The unique thing about that volcano was you could see the, the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean from, or the Gulf Coast, you know, from looking both ways, either way, at the same time. And, uh, but at the top, we were just pulling us. The, the air was so thin, uh, we let it, we'd go a few feet and we'd stop. We were not conditioned. We were not physically conditioned for that type of a climb, without any doubt. And, uh, but that's my memory of, uh, of, uh, of a physical challenge. And, you know, we started out, I think we left there at the mission around 4 o'clock in the morning, and we didn't get back till it was after dark, way after dark. It was at 8, 10 o'clock, I'm not sure. And they were beginning to get worried about us because it took us way, way longer than we had actually anticipated. I know coming down took about half the time as going up, and it was basically slide a lot of the way. <laughs> but uh, so that was a physical challenge. And, you know, some of you may think of some of the physical challenges you may have in life or have had in life and may have yet today. You know, there are some people that are challenged with some of the normal, uh, mundane physical tasks of life that we don't give a second thought about. Putting your shoes on or tying your shoes. You know, that's a challenge sometimes for some people. But uh, thinking about mental challenges, um, let me give you a little riddle here. Right? To give riddles and sermons. Samson used riddles in their Bible. Listen carefully. A blind beggar had a brother who died. What relation was the blind beggar to the brother who died? And brother is not the answer. Someone tell me. A blind beggar had a brother who died. What relation was the blind beggar to the brother who died? And brother is not the answer. Is it obvious? What is it? Anyone? Sister. You know, our mind plays tricks on us a little bit sometimes. First time I read it through, I thought, well, you know, okay, what is it? You're thinking it's using the word brother a couple of times, but it's very obvious. Sister. The blind beggar was a sister. And... Uh, so, uh, here's another one. I'm not an artist. But I thought this one was kind of neat. What direction is that bus traveling? Leona, you used to be a bus driver. Can you tell me what direction that bus is going? It's going forward? Can't ever see it. Okay. Anyone tell me what direction that bus is going? That is supposed to be a school bus. Okay, it's going to the left. How do you determine that? Okay, very good. The doors are not visible. Uh, now that's maybe very much well, yeah, that's obvious. But you know, at first glance, our mind might play play tricks on us. We say, well, how do we know? They look identical. But uh, you know, we deduct it soon after we look at it a little bit. And probably what I should have drawn did was drawn it and erased it quickly. But uh, you know, sometimes our, our visual eyes uh, play tricks on us. They looked identical, front and back. Are there buses that way? Other than the doors being on the uh, right-hand side. What about spiritual challenges? Uh, 
what spiritual challenges? It was mentioned this morning that we've been challenged in our Sunday school lesson, and we have been. And we could go home and, uh, and meditate on the truths that we have received already. Um, as I think of, of, as I thought about spiritual challenges, I thought, you know, and I'm not sure I'm 100% correct on this, and it may vary with people, but I, I think to me, this is my perception of this, a lot of the spiritual challenges in my life that I encounter have to do with the aspect of the dimension of faith. Uh, you know, we like to be hands-on people. We like to know where we're going. We like to know what's going to happen. Uh, to me, I think it's, it's it, it, you know, a lot of our challenges, a lot of my challenges spiritually come from faith and entrusting God and allowing Him to perform His uh, purposes in our lives. Maybe some of what got me thinking about this, we were listening, as we were traveling last week, this past week to North Dakota, I was listening to a CD uh, from Christian Aid Ministries on Billboard Evangelism, and it was a conversation that was recorded between, I believe, John Martin and a caller from one of the Billboard numbers. Anybody, how many of you listened to that CD ever? Uh, very, very interesting CD, and it's, uh, the conversation is recorded as his caller calls in, actual caller that calls in, I, and he's not identified. We don't know what his name was, at least I don't know. Uh, CEM perhaps could know, but uh, one of the things that he, this caller called in, seemed to be a very, very sincere seeker, and uh, John very, very ably handled a lot of his questions. I was, I was challenged as I listened to his responses. Uh, I think the, he asked him, he said, well, which billboard did you see? He said, we have many billboards. And uh, one of the, bill, the billboards that this particular caller was calling in about was one about the heaven and hell, afterlife, heaven and hell. And uh, he had this question about hell. He said, how do you really know that there is a hell? And uh, he said, you know, he had, had some Bible teaching and training, uh, as, at least as a child he did. And uh, he said, what, what, uh, you know, why would God not uh, show us everything? Why would God not show us, you know, if God would really want us to not go to hell, why wouldn't he show us hell? You know, wouldn't that strike fear in everybody's heart if they got a glimpse of hell? Well, that's logic, that's human logic. But John answered in this way, and I thought it was very, very, very good. He said, you know, he said, it, it's the idea a little bit like us as parents. And he said, uh, he said, I don't know if you have children or not. And I don't think this man had children, but he said he could still understand the concept. He said, you know, as, as parents, we like our children to believe and trust in us. We don't expect them to experience everything. We like when they believe what, what we tell them. Okay, don't touch that hot stove. Uh, do they have to experience everything in life? No. We, we would hope they don't have to experience everything in life. And he said, it's that same way between us and God. God wants us to simply trust him, uh, express an element of faith in him. Well, let's go to our text here in John, uh, Joshua 14. I want to read verses 6 through 15. I'm sorry. Did I say Joshua 14? Yeah, I'm the one that's not right. I'm in Judges. Joshua 14, beginning at verse 6. This is where the, uh, somewhat at the conclusion of the conquest of the land of Canaan, and uh, we have this uh, story here between Joshua and Caleb and the children of Israel here, and breaking in at verse 6 of Joshua 14. 
Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephani the Kenzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly follow the Lord my God. And Moses swore in that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake these words unto Moses, which the children of Israel, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet, I must, as yet, I am as strong this day as I am, as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be that the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed them and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephani, Hebron for an inheritance. And Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephani, the Kenzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath, which Arabah was a great man among the Anakins, and the land had rest from the war. One of the things that challenged me as I looked at Caleb here is the idea of his commitment to, to the Lord. And we see that here in verse 7. He's calling to remembrance the, uh, uh, what had happened 40 years, 45 years prior. And uh, he says, I brought, verse 7, it says, I brought him word again as it was in my heart. And uh, I like to think this morning, as we face challenges in our spiritual life, we need to, we need to remember the heart commitment level of the, uh, the commitment that we made to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it's the deepest level of commitment that you and I can make this morning. Uh, how can I tell this morning that I have a heart commitment to the Lord? How can I tell that my commitment is to that level? Well, there's a couple of things I think we can, we can check ourselves with. You might ask yourself, how often do you think about your relationship to Jesus Christ this morning? How often do you talk about it? And I realize this is getting back to our Sunday school lesson. How freely do we share the gospel? How freely do we talk about what God is doing in my life today or tomorrow or the next week? Or what God's plans are for me after death? Uh, that heaven and hell billboard. Do I have a comprehension of that? Am I living in light of that? That's an indication, I believe, how frequently I think of... of uh, whether it's to the heart level of commitment, how frequently I think about it. Those things that are nearest to us, those things that are dearest to us, I believe uh, have, they're frequently going to be coursing through our thoughts and minds. Another aspect that I see is, is uh, of thinking about the commitment factor of Caleb here this morning. It was, it was, he uses the idea of the heart. He said, that which was in my heart. But then he also uses another expression. He says in verse 8, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And he makes a personal attachment to that. He says it was God was his God. It wasn't the God of Moses or anybody else. It was his personal God. And he says, I wholly followed him. 
The idea of holy, I believe, means to have the idea of completely and without reservation. And that's one that gets me in trouble sometimes. We like to, we like to have that corner for self or this corner for uh, our own interests. But Caleb here says, I wholly follow the Lord. Uh, do I claim God's promises as Caleb did? Too many times we reach out in faith with one hand at the same time we're reaching out with the other hand, hanging on to an escape route. That, okay, if God doesn't deliver the way I think he's going to, going to deliver, I have something else in mind. That isn't what God wants. God wants wholly to follow him, completely, totally full. I think one of the commentators talked about the idea of a sail, pardon me, being completely filled with air and, and, and moving that vessel as a ship the direction that it ought to go. I like the illustration of Julius Caesar's uh, account, uh, World Conqueror, when he crossed the English Channel and uh, as he climbed the, uh, the cliffs of Dover and his men were there with him, he told them to look back and down at the bottom of the cliffs. And there were all the ships that they had crossed the English Channel going up in flames. He had one of the men stay behind and light the ships up in flames so they had no retreat route. Their only, mo their only, their only uh, solution was to go forward and to win the battle in conquest. They had no retreat route. And uh, I think sometimes we, we like to have that escape route available to us, and we need, want to know where it is. And uh, really, the only escape route we ever read about in the Scripture is to recourse back to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has, he has made us a way to escape from temptation. Well, the second aspect of uh, challenges, so we looked at the commitment aspect, that of, uh, that of uh, the commitment level of the heart level and, and, and completely holy. The idea is that of confidence, I believe, in God's promises. And uh, I mentioned that already, the idea of faith. And we see that in verse 9. And Moses swore in that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. I believe Caleb had faith in God. He knew, he knew who was his God. He had a personal relationship with him, as, as was possible in the Old Testament. Not to the level, I believe, that we can in the New Testament as having God's Spirit, possessing God's Spirit in us in, a, in the way that we do in the New Testament. But I still believe he had a, 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 an indwelling presence of God living within him. And it enabled, it enabled him to have an expression of faith. And uh, as I thought about faith, I thought about some things that faith aren't. Faith isn't positive thinking. Faith isn't that. Okay, it's not positive thinking. Faith is not a name it or claim it. And interesting, uh, we talked about that in the Sunday School lesson this morning too. Uh, and then the billboard caller mentioned that too. He, he, he rambled on about quite a few things and he talked about the televangelists. He said, how do I know they're not, you know, they're not sincere and real? Well, maybe they are sincere, but are they real? And John told him, he said, you know, he said, one of the marks of, uh, that I go by, he said, if they ask for money, he said, that's oftentimes a, a, you know, a mark of, of, uh, that they're not genuine. And there's, there's ulterior motives in that. And I thought that was very, very good. Faith is not looking on the bright side. Faith is acting. This is what faith is now. Faith is acting on what God says and tells us and is trusting him for the outcome. We don't know the outcome, but faith is simply doing what God, obeying God, and doing what he wants us to do, and then 
you know, that's what Caleb did. He simply, he went and spied out the land. He saw it. He returned back with the report to Moses. And he told it as honestly, I believe, as he could have told it. And he said, we are able. God can give us this conquest. He didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Every, you know, besides him and Joshua, the other uh, ten spies all had a different report. Faith is acting and trusting God for through the outcome. It may be different than what we anticipate, but yet faith is, is going forward in what, in what God is commanding us and asking us to do. story is told of a, the captain of an ocean liner that was trapped in behind schedule. This happened quite a number of years ago, of course, but uh, trapped in behind schedule in the fog off the coast of Newfoundland. And the captain, after being on the bridge for some 24 hours, was fatigued, and he felt a tap on his shoulder, and turning around, he saw one of his passengers, an English preacher uh, by the name of George Mueller. And uh, he told the captain, he said, you know, he said, I have an appointment to preach in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. And the captain said, well, I'm sorry. He said, we're not going to make it. It's impossible. George Mueller just told the captain, he said, well, let's, let's go talk to the Lord about it. He said, let's go down to the chart room and pray. And so the captain uh, complied, and George and him knelt there in the chart room and prayed. George prayed first. And he, he poured his heart out to the Lord. He said, you know about my obligations in sharing the gospel, and I believe it's your will for me to be there. And uh, prayed on, and then he concluded. And then the captain began to start praying, and George tapped the captain on the shoulder, and he said, don't bother praying. He said, the fog is gone. And uh, the captain was somewhat taken back by the faith of George Mueller. And uh, he told the captain, he said, you know, he said, I had my eye on the one who controls the fog the circumstances, the fog, the circumstances that had us trapped in here, rather than focusing on the things that were right at hand. So that's, that's confidence. I, uh, you know, those are things that, that challenge us. Uh, and as we face challenges in life, can we face them with confidence in knowing that God has a purpose in bringing and allowing those challenges in our lives? Commitment and confidence. The third one is that of courage. You know, Caleb here seemed to have in verse 12, he says, Now therefore give me this mountain, wherefore the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord has said. Now it would appear, as I, Caleb here, 85 years old, um, one of the oldest, I'm not sure how him and Joshua would have compared in age, but I'm, I'm assuming very similar in age, uh, but for sure, one of the few oldest among the children of Israel, because many of the rest had perished. Many of their contempor- all of their contemporaries had perished in the wilderness. But here's Joshua asking for this mountain. Uh, and that challenges me as I think of him. You know, what other choices could have he made? He could have made some choices that maybe perhaps were already more secured, perhaps, uh, or were not quite as uh, hard to achieve. But yet he, he's still at 85. He's ready to... Go out and conquer, and encourage. He does that. Uh, I see Caleb as a man focused on on God and His purposes for his life, and that's that's something I covet after is is uh, understanding what God's purposes are for my life, even as we age and as we get older. Um, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives from beginning to the end, and uh, you know sometimes we think a lot of it happens right in the beginning, and a lot of things do happen right in the beginning. Uh, you know, we're born, and within 16 years, we're, we're driving, and then we, uh, many times we get married somewhere in the early 20s, perhaps, for some older, perhaps. 
But, you know, and then there's children, and then, you know, we think it all happens you know, in the first semester of our life, perhaps. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's things that can need to happen beyond that. And I, I see Caleb as staying focused on God's purposes for his life, even as he aged here. What is courage this morning? How would you define courage this morning? Well, I, I like to define courage as the strength to look up and recognize God at work in our lives. The courage to look up. It may mean waiting. It may mean moving faster than I may feel comfortable. But yet, courage is something that is essential to um, understanding and relating to the challenges that life brings to us. There's times it takes courage. And Caleb is a very, very... Uh, point demonstration of that I believe I, I like to just go back to the book of Numbers uh, in Numbers uh, 13 where the, the spies uh, brought the report back to Moses Numbers 13 verses 30 and 31 and Caleb stilled the people you know the other ten had already given their negative report of their ability to conquer the land of Canaan and then Caleb stands up now to me that's a man of courage he stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And in some sense, they are true. They were stronger than them, perhaps. But they were failing to factor in the ability that God was going to go with them and win and have the conquest for them. But I was impressed as I, I looked at Caleb's advice to, to Israel there. He said, at once. And uh, he, I think he realized that as they, if they tarried around and, and, and uh, wasted time, that it was not going to be a good experience for them. And we realized the story that they wandered 40 years in the wilderness, and they suffered very, very uh, uh, progressively because of their lack of faith in God. Again, I think courage is focusing on God's promises in spite of what we may be experiencing and the opposition we may face. Just a few New Testament promises I want to give you as I think about courage for you and I this morning. Looking at the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 20. These are familiar verses, but I think they're very key promises now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I like those verses. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly. Uh, a lot of adjectives there. Above all that I would ever ask or think. Now that's... Um, that's impressive, I think. Not because of who I am, but it says for the glory of the church. God's name, are we holding forth the banner of Christ this morning as we go through life? It's for His glory that God wants to be uh, exalted and honored. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. For which cause also, for the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know who I am, 
whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Uh, that's a pattern for living. That's something we can take with us. We know, Paul writing to Timothy said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able. It doesn't matter what you're going to face in life. God has the ability to keep you and see you through that. You may think God, sometimes we may think that God's uh, challenges, maybe God gives us challenges more than we're able, but not really. God, I believe, allows those challenges for his glory. Going just a bit further into the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 18, another promise. Hebrews 2:18. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Again, God is, and that's a favorite verse of mine, is the fact that God uh, is able to in, in give us victory over the temptations that we may face because of what he has experienced. Uh, able to succor them that are tempted because of what he has experienced. Courage is recognizing how small I am and how big God is. And uh, as we face life, as an illustration, I came across, I'm not sure who to give credit to it, but uh, it's told of a story, and the story is told of a little girl. This happened back in pioneer days that was at a, a general store. And I don't know if you remember what a general store was like. I faintly remember them. There was a few of them in my life. But there was a general store, and they, general stores have everything. Well, her mom and dad had come to this general store to shop, and uh, she was sitting there by the counter eyeing. At, at that time, a lot of the candy goodies were on the counter in jars. And she was eyeing up this candy there while her mom and dad did their shopping. And the storekeeper was impressed by her good behavior. And uh, so he, he told her, he said, uh, would you like some, some candy? And she smiled and nodded and just sat there. And he said, well, help yourself. Get some candy. And uh, But the little girl still just sat there. And finally, her mom and dad were checking out, and uh, he asked her again. He said, well, would you like some candy? And she nodded and smiled. And, and uh, sure, she likes What little child wouldn't like candy? And uh, finally, the store clerk reached into the jar with his hand, and, and here he said, have some candy. And he gave her a handful of candy. And as the, the parents and the little girl were outside the store in the parking lot, the mom said, well, why, why did you just sit there? Why didn't you, why didn't you help yourself to some candy? And the little girl thought for a little bit. And she said, you know, his hand was so much bigger than mine. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's a concept we need, to get, we need to get in life. God's hand is bigger than ours. We like to do it ourselves. We like to reach in the jar and get it ourselves. But God, if we wait and, do do, and, and experience God's timing of blessing in our lives, God will take care of it for us. That's a concept I, that challenged me as I... Uh, uh, thought about that, you know, it's, it's not what we can do, but what God can do in our lives. <clears throat> well, the fourth aspect of, of Caleb here is that he was conqueror. And as we think of our challenges, I believe God would have us to conquer our challenges, uh, our spiritual challenges. God allows spiritual challenges in our lives to make us grow. And I believe God would have us to ultimately conquer them challenges. Uh, looking at these verses here in 13 and 15, Joshua blessed him, gave unto Caleb the son of Jephani, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance for Caleb the son of Jephani, the kinside, unto this day because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. 
Am I conquering my spiritual challenges in my life today? Are you conquering your spiritual challenges? You know, yes is a small word, a small three-letter word. I was talking, I've been talking in the past about some small words in the Scripture. I haven't talked about the word yes, and I'm just going to mention it here in, uh, in passing. You know, why yes? It's a small word, but yet it can make an eternity of difference between our destinies. It's interesting that the word Hebrew actually means fellowship. And I, I think that gives us a type of what Caleb was after. He wanted fellowship with God. I don't know if he liked being on that mountaintop because it perhaps put him closer to, to God or made him feel like he was closer to God. You know, some people just aren't satisfied unless they've done the, have experienced the ultimate. Some of us are a little more complacent to experience, you know, let things go. And, uh, but yet challenges are good for us. So I thought about saying yes. I thought of the song written by, uh, can't think of her name. Maranatha sang it. It's a chorus. Um, well, Shirley Caesar, yes. I'll say yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Lord, I give you all the glory for what you've done for me. You fill my life until I overflow. All I have is yours to use any way you choose. You're the Lord of lords, so how can I say no? I'll say yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, I will trust you and obey. When the Spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. You know, it may take us out of our comfort zones. You know, it's an expression we use many times, comfort zones. We like to be comfortable. But uh, saying yes to the Lord, saying yes to the Lord may take us out of our comfort zone. I was wondering what, what you would describe as your comfort zone. And maybe that's somewhat where the problem begins. As I thought about my own life. Wherever God would call me, wherever, whatever God would want to do with me, this should be the Christian's comfort zone. Being with God, talking about eternity, walking, talking daily with Him. Is there anything that would, would hinder that? Is there any, would God ever ask me to do anything that would hinder that? Walking, talking daily with Him. Obeying His commandments should be my comfort zone. Doing what His will is in my life, that should be my comfort zone. Would God ever ask me to do anything like that? Being a channel of God's love. A recognition and a realization of what, that God has brought me into this world. That God has brought you into this world with a definite purpose in mind. And I'd like to just go back to the Psalmist David and read Psalm 139. It's a, it's a psalm that puts life in perspective, I believe. It's a familiar psalm. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Nobody knows you better than God. Your parents may know you too in a limited way. Your friends may know you, but not as well as God knows you. I can affirm you. I can, I can assure you of that. God knows you from your inner being out. Thou knowest my downsittings and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. There's times we don't understand our own thoughts, but God understands those thoughts. Thou compassed my path, my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. 
Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, and hate thee? Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting." And that's a, way, that's a way God knows each one of us. God has a definite plan and purpose. Someone has pointed out, and I thought this was interesting, someone has pointed out that between Caleb and Joshua, you know, I went back to the book of Numbers and read where that uh, account was, where they came back from the spying out the land of Canaan. Someone has pointed out to me that actually Caleb was the only one that we have recorded that talked there. Joshua is silent. But yet Joshua is... is uh, appointed the successor of Moses. Humanly speaking, we might say, well, Caleb probably should have or could have been the successor of Moses. But the thing that challenges me is that, uh, as I think about that, is that uh, that wasn't God's plan. Obviously it wasn't God's plan. God chose Joshua to be the leader. And I'm not exactly sure what, we don't fully understand God's purposes, uh, but I believe what God did was right. And Caleb was the vocal person, at least at that, at least that's the way we have it recorded there in Numbers. He was the only one that we have recorded that, that responded that way. And, uh, but as I think about that, from a human perspective, you know, we might say, well, Caleb could have been the leader. Well, he could have been perhaps, but yet that wasn't God's choice. It also wasn't God's choice to have David build the temple. He, he told David, he said, you are a man of war. He said, your son is going to build this temple. And... Uh, I say this to point out that I believe we can only be conqueror when we accept and embrace, embrace God's plan for our lives. You know, that doesn't seem to be a, a bit of a point between Josh and Caleb at all. Who was going to be the leader? And I, I guess that's a challenge to me. And it's interesting, you know, he mentions uh, Caleb as being the uh, son of Jephani, the Kenzite, and I, I searched as much as I could, and I... If I'm understanding it correctly, there were there was a, a line of descendants from Esau that had that similar name, very very similar. But this Caleb here was not of them. To, uh, he was not a Gentile. He was not a descendant of those people. It says that the the thinking is that 
it also means that he was a hunter or very uh, a fighter. And uh, so I, I'd like to embrace that truth, I believe. He was not a Gentile, but he was, a, he was of the tribe of Judah, I believe, at least as we read the Scripture there, as the tribe of Judah came up. And then that's when Caleb steps forth and says, well, I want this mountain. And uh, then Joshua very, very graciously gives it to him. But uh, the, the thing I want to impress is I don't think we can conquer uh, our challenges in life unless we're going to accept and embrace what God's plan is. And we see that in Caleb's experience this morning. We see that in David's uh, experience as well. He realized that, okay, God said, I'm a man of war. I don't want you to build my temple. You have shed blood. And uh, even though he may, David may not have fully understood that, maybe Caleb couldn't understand exactly why Joshua was chosen leader, I don't know. But the thing that challenges me is that they both embraced God's plan for their life. And that's where we need to uh, experience it as well. One of the things that uh, I thought was interesting is uh, Steve Covey in his book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and I'm not necessarily promoting, promoting all that he writes, but there's four things that he mentioned. He says there's four compartments in our lives, uh, that of living, that of learning, that of loving, and that of legacy. And these compartments can somewhat overlap, perhaps. We, we, we're, we live from birth to death, okay? That's a fact. That's our whole life. But then the learning aspect, and that seriously should go from life to death, too, to a greater or lesser degree. We may learn more, perhaps, in the first dozen years of our lives, at least in a, in a or 16, 18 years of our lives in a, in a secular setting. But then the rest of it is, is real life experience, and that's, that's learning, too. And sometimes, you know, we say that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where we learn to put the practice and, uh, you know, we learn to uh, uh, share what we've... Uh, and that's where the loving aspect comes in. You know, it's, it's not about me, but it's about others. And I believe this needs to be uh, a focus of my life, and it keeps us healthy. Then the legacy aspect is, is where Caleb is at here at 85 years old. You know, he's, he's concerned about perhaps what he's going to leave. And, and passing that faith and on to the rising generation, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a stage of life that we, we all come into. We, we're concerned about passing on that legacy of faith to our rising generations. Well, in conclusion, as we think about challenges in our spiritual lives, you know, we may face physical challenges, we may face mental challenges, but the spiritual challenges are really the ones that matter. And uh, as we think about our commitment to God, as I face those challenges, focus on that, your commitment to God. Uh, focus on your confidence in His promises. Uh, face them encouraged, not in your own strength, as Caleb did, but rather in the strength of, of Christ and God being there to help you, and then conquer them uh, we can be more than conquerors. What does it mean to be more than a conqueror? Uh, spiritually, I believe that means that uh, God is going to work through my life. God is going to work through your life in a, in a powerful way. I believe that's what more than conquerors mean. It doesn't mean that we barely made it, but it means that we've, we've, we've got over the top. And uh, that's what God, I believe, wants to... Uh, each one of us to experience as we face challenges in our Christian walk. May God help us to truly keep
keep those four areas in focus as we live for him.